Americans are sleep deprived. A country is sleep deprived. What is happening here? Sleep is a lot like love. The less you look for it, the more it shows up. More people use alcohol to drink themselves to bed than any other substance, and it is a terrible, terrible idea. If you fall asleep as soon as your head hits the pillow or in under five minutes, that's not a good sign. So what is the perfect time to be intimate? What do most men wake up with in the morning? If that's not mother nature telling you when to use that damn thing, I don't know what is. Hi, I'm Sunny Singh. This is Living with Sunny. I'm here with my friend Thomas Power. Today we are talking to a wonderful sleep doctor, Dr. Michael Bruce, who's going to show us how sleep is relevant and answer a lot of questions around we have for the topic called sleep in the whole holistic well-being arena. Hi, Dr. Bruce. Good morning. How'd you sleep last night, Sonny? Well, let's talk about that. As I'm focusing more and more on living through holistic well-being and, and how I, I, how I uh, spend my waking hours and now my sleeping hours, I'm focusing and paying a lot more attention to my sleep, my sleep patterns. What time do I go to sleep? How much sleep do I get? How am I sleeping? And a lot of questions come to my mind that I never thought about before. It's pretty amazing when you think about sleep uh, just for a minute, because so many people out there don't think about sleep. They just kind of wander through their day. And then at the end of the day, maybe they think about it for 15 or 20 minutes before they go to bed. But it's really something that you should be thinking about from the time you wake up until the time you go to bed. Oh, really? That's good. I think about sleep all day. And, you know, here's a, here's a stunning and astonishing statement. Americans are sleep deprived. A country is sleep deprived. 70% of Americans are sleep deprived. What is happening here? So there's so first of all, this is not necessarily new news. It has get, gotten more severe um, with the pandemic. Uh, but prior to COVID, we had a very sleep deprived society because it was just a go, 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 go society. A lot of people um, would say, oh, I'll sleep when I'm dead. That was a comment that I heard by many people. My, my response was usually, by the way, that's going to happen a lot faster now that you're not sleeping so much. Um, so if you, if you really want to push, push towards that goal, you're going to get there pretty quick if you, if you really, you know, hem in your sleep. It, what a lot of people I think don't realize, and this is not necessarily their fault, is that caffeine is not a replacement for sleep, right? The only thing that's good that replaces sleep is sleep. That's it. There's, there's, no, there's no substitute here. You got to get a certain amount. Everybody's a little bit different. Um, and as we age or change, our needs for sleep can change as well. So it's something to be aware of. You don't have to obsess about it. But if you can follow some generalized, simple guidelines, you can actually sleep quite well. Tell us about your sleep. Tell us how sure. you get into the mood to sleep and tell us how long you sleep for and how you clear your mind to sleep. Absolutely. So I created this technique called the power down hour. So one hour before bed, I take that hour and I chop it up into three 20 minute segments. Just to be clear, I'm a tactical kind of guy. I, I like to have very specific recommendations that I follow almost to a militant um, extreme. So I take that hour, I chop it up into three 20 minute segments. 20 minutes for just stuff you gotta do. So that last email you have to send, let the dogs out, you know, turn on the dishwasher, that kind of thing. 20 minutes for hygiene. Now, if we have uh, listeners out there who wear makeup during the daytime, there's a little bit of a pause here. One thing to understand is during your, your last hygiene visit of the evening, if you're standing in front of a great big mirror with all these lights and you're pulling your makeup off, you're getting this humongous dose of blue light. 
So for folks out there who wear makeup, do yourself a favor, take your makeup off earlier in the evening. Don't worry about it just before bed, but do your hygiene, brush your teeth, wash your face, get into your bed clothes. And then 20 minutes for some form of meditation, relaxation, prayer, something along those lines. Here's the thing that most people don't realize. If you fall asleep as soon as your head hits the pillow or in under five minutes, that's not a good sign. Oh. That is a, I, I, right, I know. That is a sign of sleep deprivation. The average time it takes a human to fall asleep is between 10 and about 12, 15 minutes. So it, it should take a process for you to get there. And if it's going like that, then that's a sign or signal that you might not be getting the quantity or the quality of sleep that you're looking for. Now, you asked me what my bedtime is and what my wake-up time is. Now, that's got a little bit of a story to it because it's changed over the course of time. So about five or six years ago, uh, right when I was uh, writing my third book, The Power of When, when I was looking at hormones and timing and chronotypes and all these important things, I said to myself, I've got to lock in my bedtime and my wake-up time. I mean, if I'm going to tell my patients to do it, I better do it myself, right? I mean, come on. So I said, I'm going to bed at midnight every single night. Now, some of you out there might say, midnight? Holy cow. Why is this guy going to bed at midnight? So we'll, you'll learn in a few minutes what a chronotype is, um, but I'm a night owl. <laughs> so that actually is my genetically pre-programmed bedtime. So number one, figuring out when to go to bed turns out to be incredibly important. So I went to bed at 12 and I didn't use an alarm and I naturally woke up at around 7.30. I did this for about six weeks and all of a sudden I started to naturally wake up at 7.15. Then about six weeks go by and then it was seven o'clock. Then another six weeks go by and it was 6.45. Guys, I go to bed at midnight and I wake up at 6.15 every single day without an alarm. I don't drink caffeine and I don't take a nap. So the consistency of my schedule and it being in my chronotype has allowed me to consolidate the amount of sleep that I get and it's given me an extra 90 to 120 minutes in my day which is kind of crazy when you think about it. It's absolutely fascinating because, like Thomas, you know, you and I, you know, we have our sleeping patterns and whatnot, but nobody thinks about how to normalize their sleeping pattern, the sleeping times, the one-hour preparation. It's like it's a new awakening. And in a way, it's a new awakening <laughs> for the country. So tell us, what is a chronotype, Michael, and how would we know what type we were? Perfect question. So first of all, many people may not have heard the term chronotype before, but you've actually heard of it conceptually if you've ever been called an early bird or a night owl, right? So, you know, there are some people who like to go to bed early and wake up early. There's some people who like to go to bed late and wake up late. I'm one of those. Um, turns out this is not a choice. This is in your genes. This is actually genetic. So I can look on your human genome and go to a very specific place called the PER3 gene and I can see if it's been flip-flopped one way or another and this will tell me if you're an early bird or if you're a night owl. Now to be clear, this is not a distinction that I made. This is made in the 70s by a group of researchers who had identified morningness and eveningness. Moving forward through the history, we then came up with something in the middle. So we were called early birds, they were night owls, and then there were people called hummingbirds. To be honest with you, I'm not really sure why they use the word hummingbirds. It does seem kind of ridiculous. Um, my contribution to the literature was I found a fourth chronotype. 
um, an insomnia chronotype, actually a genetic form of insomnia that's quite similar to these other three. And I incorporated them together into a new sort of vernacular or avatar. Now, people might be wondering, okay, I think I'm an early bird or I think I'm a night owl or who knows, maybe I'm an insomniac. How do I figure it out? So if people go to chronoquiz.com, www.chronoquiz.com, it's completely free and uh, you will get uh, a report back that will tell you not only what your chronotype it is, but based on this chronotype, your perfect time to go to bed, your perfect time to wake up, when to drink coffee, when to drink alcohol. This, there are specific times in your day where it can be more uh, difficult for sleep than others, even when to be intimate. People think that um, to be more effective, just, you know, or to, to do more in a day, just cut on your sleep hours. Cut your sleep hours, sleep less. Bad idea. That's BS. Total BS. Really, it's a really bad idea. So here's what we know when we deprive ourselves in sleep. It affects three specific areas. Number one, physical. We know our reaction time slows down, our testosterone lowers. So folks out there who want to work out, your workout's going to be terrible. Far more likelihood of injury, by the way, when you're sleep deprived as well. Second area, cognition. We just don't think straight when we're sleep deprived. We have memorial deficits, we have attention problems, we have focus problems, all well documented in the literature. Um, we even make riskier decisions the more sleep deprived we are, which is of course not good uh, in times of stock markets and cryptocurrencies and all of those other uh, crazy kooky things. And then the final one is emotionally. We know that when we're sleep deprived, depression is more depressing. Anxiety is more anxious. All of those emotions get exacerbated with sleep deprivation. So it really hits every single area of the human existence. So, Michael, in that time, somebody asked you that question. I came out as a lion. So lions are great. Um, lions are the top of the food chain. They're the ones who have a tendency to. That's right. They get up early. I see you like being a lion, right? <laughs> It, it, trust me, we had to pick animals that everybody wanted to be. Nobody wants to be a porcupine. Trust me on this one. So our lions <laughs> represent our early birds, okay. right? And so these are the COOs of the company. These are the people that rise early. These are the people that are making a list every day and going from step one to step two to step three. Um, and a lot of people wish they were lions um, because they get so much done. Lions have a tendency to be incredibly productive, but lions do have a drawback. Dinner in a movie isn't necessarily great for a lion because they can't stay awake. They've been up since 4.30 in the morning usually, right? They're like, forget it, I'm going to bed. So there's pros and there's cons to this whole early bird side of things. Again, I'm a night owl, so I'm what's called a wolf. Um, and um, I never go to bed before midnight, but let me tell you something, mornings are not my friend. <laughs> and what are the, did you say there were four chronotypes? What are the other two? So there's lions or early birds, wolves or night owls, people in the middle are bears, and then the insomnias are dolphins. Now, people always wonder, like, why did you choose dolphins, Michael? So it turns out that dolphins sleep uni-hemispherically. So half of their brain is asleep while the other half is awake and looking for predators while they're swimming around. And I felt like that represented this genetic form of insomnia of my patients who just never feel like they're getting a good night's rest. So once again, a lion represents an early bird. A bear are people who are in between early bird and night owls. By the way, most people are a bear. I'd wish I was a bear. That's the best one to be, by the way. Um, 
wolves are the night owls. We are the trouble group. We have a tendency to stay up late, make risky decisions. Um, we don't like to do working out. Uh, we eat poorly, all of those things. And then there are the dolphins, the insomniacs. Turns out they're a lot like lions, but have a tremendous amount of anxiety, which makes it difficult for them to be able to fall asleep in stage. Interesting. Sonny, which of those four do you think you are? Lion, wolf, bear, or dolphin? You know, I'm definitely not a dolphin. I'm definitely not uh, a wolf. I think I might be a, so I you might be a, a bear. wolf. You're either a lion or a bear. I'm telling you something. Being a bear is the best because most of society is built on a bear's schedule, right? That nine to five schedule works out really well. My guess is you probably go to bed around 10, 1030. You might wake up around 630 or seven. That falls into that range that's really good. Hold on, Michael. <laughs> Who have you been talking to? Are, are my people ratting on me? <laughs> I'm telling you, bro, it's stuff is predictive. It's your genetics. And Michael, what about uh, technology? We're, we're all overrun with information yep. and, and messages and social media <laughs> and tweets and podcasts and this oh, endless yes. flood of information that none of us can keep up with anymore. How does that affect our sleep? So there's two different ways that I would argue that affects our sleep. One is just the sheer stress of so much information coming at us on such a regular basis. I mean, there's even something now here in the States, um, it's called um, revenge sleep procrastination, where people, because they feel like they're missing out on tweets and, and Facebooks and all these other nonsense things, they sit in bed and they just scroll for hours. It's crazy. Okay. So, so one thing is just that attraction to that feeling of missing out that FOMO that so many people seem to have. So that's number one. Number two, the actual light itself is damaging to your sleep. Many people don't know it, but you have a specific type of cell in your eye called a melanopsin cell. When the blue light coming from a phone, computer, or tablet um, hits that um, uh, cell in your eye, it sends a signal to your brain to turn off the melatonin faucet. Guys, if there's one faucet we want on at night, it's melatonin, right? And so staying away from that blue light is going to be important. I try and avoid uh, caffeine and alcohol, Michael. So I wanted to ask... Well, let's not avoid them altogether. Let's figure out when we can enjoy okay, them so, together. So give us that, that then. So I'm always, I always think those things are affecting sleep. So what effect does caffeine and alcohol have on sleep? Yeah, so they so they they do have market effects, and let me be clear about that. So caffeine um, is a stimulant, um, and many people um, don't feel the caffeine. So you drink the cup of coffee, maybe you feel a little bit of energy for twenty minutes, but then you don't think about it for the rest of your day. So I want to give people an idea of something called a half life. So uh, in in chemistry, when when a, a compound is inside a human and it deteriorates over time, when half of it is gone, we say that is the half life of said compound. When somebody drinks caffeine, it takes six to eight hours, hours for only 50% of it to get out of your system. Wow. Okay. The other, I know, right? It's crazy. Now here's an even more interesting statistic. There's something called a quarter life, which is when 25% of the substance is still in your system. That's 12 hours with caffeine. So if you drink a cup of coffee at 10 o'clock in the morning, 25% of that is on board right when you're trying to fall asleep at night. I'm not saying don't drink coffee. What I am saying is, is think about when to drink your coffee. So the first thing I tell people is don't have it be the very first thing that you drink in the morning. Remember, sleep in and of itself is a dehydrative event. 
you lose almost a full liter of water from the um, humidity in your breath, sweat, oils, and stuff from your skin. So first things first, drink 15 to 20 ounces of water when you wake up in the morning. Then wait a half an hour or so, maybe 60 minutes, have your cup of coffee. If you can stop coffee by about 10, 11 o'clock in the morning, you're going to be in great shape. But the bottom, bottom line, stop by 2 p.m. That way only 50% is still there when you're trying to fall asleep at 10. Alcohol is a bit different, okay? There's a really big difference between going to sleep and passing out, okay? We, we don't like the passing out and we like the going to sleep, right? Now, but alcohol does make us feel sleepy. Um, and so one of the things I want people to understand is alcohol is the number one sleep aid in the world. More people use alcohol to drink themselves to bed than any other substance. And it is a terrible, terrible idea. What we know about alcohol is the amount and how close it is to the time of sleep is how it has its greatest effect. When you get past two alcoholic beverages in the normal human, something happens to you biochemically. Something called cortisol rises in your brain. Now, there's a reason for this. Your brain is saying, holy crap, it's toxic in here. You've just put a poison in here. I'm going to elevate cortisol to make myself alert enough to figure out what's going on. Well, now you're an energetic drunk. You're really not trying to go to bed at that point. So anything past two drinks is a bad idea. So here's the general guideline is if you're having dinner and you want to have a glass of wine or a scotch or a beer with dinner, great. I don't care. Have, a, have an enjoyable meal. Have two if you want. Drink one glass of water for each alcoholic beverage. Stop three hours before bed. You're good to go. So, Michael, if if one is, let's say, um, has a tendency to get up in the middle of the night, or they're tossing oh, yeah. and turning too much, what right. is, what does that mean? Okay, so this is a this is a question I'm going to have to unravel a little bit because there's lots of reasons why people can wake up in the middle of the night. And I want to let you know, Sonny, this is the number two question that I get asked across the board. Number one question is usually, what bed should I buy? <laughs> Which is kind of funny for a sleep specialist. Um, but we can talk about beds as well if you'd like. But what happens when people wake up in the middle of the night? One of the first things I tell people to do is you need to learn a little bit about how sleep works. So number one statistic, you cannot fall asleep with a heart rate of 60 or above. It's almost impossible to do. So when you wake up in the middle of the night, the goal is to lower your heart rate or to keep it low. Okay. That is the goal. So for example, when you wake up in the middle of the night, what's the first thing that most people do? They look at the clock, right? Now, this couldn't be a worse idea <laughs> because you instantly do the mental math and then you say, oh crap, it's 3.30 in the morning. I got to get up at six. Sleep, sleep, sleep. And you try to force yourself to sleep. Okay. I tell people all the time, sleep is a lot like love the less you look for it, the more it shows up, okay? Like, you know when you're out there and you're trying to find that person in your life and you never can find them and the second you stop, boom, they land in your lap? That's exactly how sleep is, is having that anxiety about it just elevates your blood pressure, elevates your temperature, it makes it impossible to sleep. So number one, if you cannot look at the clock, please don't look at the clock. Now, I gotta be honest with you too. I'm not so stupid as to think that people are gonna stop looking at the clock because everybody looks at the clock. So here's what I want you to do. When you look at the clock, I'm gonna give you the second piece of information that's really important, which is there's uh, new research on something called non-sleep deep rest. So this is when you're lying, non-sleep deep rest, right? So when you're lying in bed, 
when it's dark with your eyes closed, there is data to now suggest that is rejuvenative. It's not as good as sleep, but an hour of that is worth about 20 minutes of sleep. So when you look at that clock, what you'd say is, oh, this is okay. I learned from that sleep doctor guy that if I lie here and relax, I'm still getting some form of rejuvenation. And if I can use a technique to help lower my heart rate, I'll probably be able to fall back asleep. Here's the, here's the third piece of information, which is that technique to help lower your heart rate. My favorite one is a breathing technique. It was developed by Dr. Andrew Weil. It's currently used with the U.S. Navy SEALs, and it's called 478 breathing. So you breathe in for a count of four, you hold for a count of seven, and you breathe out for a count of eight. What this does is it dumps all the excess carbon dioxide out of your uh, out of your lungs, allows for fresh air to come in, lowering your heart rate because it doesn't have to beat as much. And boom, you start moving towards that 60, which is what we're looking for. Very good. So Michael, um, now the, the thing we touched upon earlier in the conversation, and you wrote a book, The Power of When. It's a number one at uh, Amazon. And you say there's a, yes. there is a perfect time to have sex, to run a mile, eat a cheeseburger. Yep. Ask your boss for a raise and more. You bet. What say <laughs> me? So, okay, so so we can go through them all if you want, but everybody always wants to know the sex question. So let's start out with the of sex question, we shall do. we? Right. So what is the perfect time to be intimate? So uh, the, the way the data works is if you look at it from a purely physiology standpoint, you need five hormones to be elevated and one hormone to be lowered in order to have successful intimacy. You need estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, adrenaline, and cortisol all need to be high. And melatonin, the sleep hormone, needs to be low. So we did a survey and 74% of people are intimate between 10.30 and 11.30 at night. What do you think their hormone profile looks like? It's the opposite, right? Melatonin is high and all of the five hormones that you're looking for are low at the end of the day. That's hint number one as to when you should be considering being intimate. Hint number two, what do most men wake up with in the morning? An erection. If that's not mother nature telling you when to use that damn thing, I don't know what is, okay? So consider, right? So you heard it here. If you got a prescription to try being intimate with your partner in the morning time, and here's the data that I can tell you that we've discovered. We see better connection, we see better performance, and we, and we see people lasting longer on the male side of things. So it all actually works well if you're doing those things early in the morning. That's fascinating. That's a, that good? I think that's a, that's a complete conversation by itself that we have to have. Oh, yes, brother. <laughs> you know, um, to our listeners, um, we always end our conversation with a call to action. What can they do listening to, to our conversation? And my Call to action is this, you know, Michael, you, you, you're very, uh, very well articulated what we should do before we go to sleep and what we should do when we wake up. Right. And so I would, I would request all our listeners that when today, when you go to sleep, think about what you do the hour before you go to bed. Love it. And then when you wake up in the morning, just observe what you do for the first hour after you get up. Just observe the hour before and the hour after, and we'll take it from there. Dr. Bruce, so it is, it is absolutely fascinating to have you on the, on, on the show and this conversation. And I hope you'll come back again because I have a couple of other really meaty 
topics to talk to you about. Absolutely. Absolutely fascinating. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Sweet dreams. Thank you, Michael. For more information on Dr. Bruce's latest book, Energize, please go to thesleepdoctor.com. Thank you for joining us on Living with Sunny. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to us and leave us a review. Thank you and goodbye. So, Thomas, that was uh, that was thought provoking. I, I it's given me so many interesting ideas and awareness. It is <laughs> this is fascinating. Yeah, Sunny, I liked uh, I liked his uh, his lions, his, his wolves, his bears, and his dolphins. And then I was thinking, oh my God, which one of those am I? Which one of those are you? Are we working at the right time? Am we going to sleep at the right time? But of course, when he got into the issue about when is the right time to be intimate, then he had 100% of our attention, right? I think what I'm hearing is that have sex, go to sleep, wake up, have sex. <laughs> or, okay, okay. How about be intimate, go to sleep, wake up, be intimate. You know, it's, it's absolutely fascinating that the kind of things we discussed today, for example, we are never aware, we never talk about this, we are never taught about this. Why are we not taught about these things? But these are so germane to just our life, just living, just who we are, and just to bring the best out and live the best life. But well, this is to be mandatory learning.